Welcome to today's message from Transformation Church with Pastor Jim Balzano. And I'm going to speak a little bit about money today because um, I don't do it often, but I'm going to. But before I do, how many of you ever, you know, because how many know you can get ready to give? You can prepare yourself to give. All right, now, now I went in and I printed my notes this morning, but it's funny, there was an extra document that was let on the printer. So I just thought, well, I would kind of talk about preparation. Like, you know, how many of you are planning Thanksgiving dinner already? Yes, I figured Kathy was, all right? Some of you, you're already planning it, all right? Now me, I would start planning it Wednesday night. All right, hey, we're gonna have a, we're gonna have a Thanksgiving dinner tomorrow. We need to, we're gonna get a turkey, mashed potatoes. I'm gonna, right, Sarah? Let's just, we're gonna wing this baby. We're gonna have a great time throw it together, right? Well, let me just tell you, I have in my hand here. <laughs> oh, I wish she was here. This is Karen's Thanksgiving dinner preparation. <laughs> this is for the folk family Thanksgiving. Okay, now on this column right here, this section right here, you can't see it, but I can. Okay, this has green, red, and blue names. Green is attending, red is not attending, and blue is uncertain. There's 48 names on here because there's 48 guests coming, all right? 18 are not coming, so there'll be 30. There's room for you if you want to go. I'll get you the address later. (laughs) Okay, all right, now, so, so that gives you that. Now, if you go to this one, all right, this is the menu. Now, Jen, I want you to know you're bringing a sweet potato casserole. A 9 by 13 is good. All right? Let's see. Kelly, where's Kelly? Kelly, where's Rusty? Rusty, get in church. All right, Kelly, you're bringing baked pineapple, at least a 9 by 13. All right, this goes well. All right, I want you to know this. All right, who's that? Sherry, where are you? Ah, Sherry, are you bringing pecan pies? You better not be. Maybe that's the wrong shit. See, she's, I mean, this thing, you, this is incredible. All right? I mean, you've got to see this. This is like, hi, Rusty. Nice you could join us. All right? Okay, now. <laughs> All right? So, so there, I mean, this is incredible. Now, this is, for those of you who don't know, this is my assistant. All right? You ought to thank God for her. I'm going to tell you right now. Okay? But, but she... <laughs> She has got this planned out to the T, all right, for the family Thanksgiving. As a matter of fact, this one here says plans for the folk family Christmas dinner. She's even thinking about the Christmas dinner, all right? So, and it starts that plan. So she's preparing. Well, I want to tell you something. I have been preparing and asking you to prepare to give. How many think we can do that? How many think we should do that? All right, and, and so I'm going to talk to you a little bit about that in just a moment. But I want to take you to a portion of Scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And I'll try not to be real long, but you know how it goes. All right, we'll see what happens. But there's a, there's a portion of Scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 where Paul was talking to the Corinthians. He's talking to them about an offering, an upcoming offering, and about giving to the needs of people. And so I'm going to talk to you about money and giving. And, and I quite frankly don't like to do it. I really don't, not because I don't like the subject, but rather, um, a lot of times I want to rather actually speak to what I consider to be other issues going on in our lives, and and I really minister to needs that are going on at the moment, and really that kind of a thing, but I can't ignore also the truth the Scripture tells us about our money, and 
I also don't like doing it because sometimes we as pastors, we don't like giving license to people who say dumb things. How many know Christians can say dumb things? I'm, I'm, I'm living proof of that, all right? Now, like people who say this kind of stuff, because some of you leave here, and some people are going to say, all they want is your money. Shh. <laughs> My new emoji. <laughs> all they're, doing, they're always asking for money. No, we're not. No, we don't. All right? And all they want is your money. No, I don't. All right? I, I don't like to do it because there are people who are unscrupulous, there are people out there in Christianity in the name of Jesus who are unscrupulous, who lie, cheat, manipulate, exhort, um, extort, swindle, because they do only want your money, all right? Uh, I would honestly rather preach about many other subjects in the Bible, yet it is to your benefit that I talk about money. Not just ours, not just ours as a church, but not just, uh, it's, it's to your benefit. It's to my benefit. Um, the work of God does not suffer today because of lack, of lack on the part of God. The work of God in the world today does not suffer because of lack on the part of the Holy Spirit. The work of God does not suffer today because of the lack of workers. There's a lot of workers in the kingdom, amen? The work of God does not suffer today because of lack of vision. I've met many great visionaries of God with compelling visions to change the city, compelling visions to touch the world, compelling visions to touch humanity. It doesn't suffer today from the lack of willingness of people but I would say that it sometimes suffers from the lack of willingness to give on the part of Christians themselves. Oh, it got really quiet. That the work of this church is sometimes very difficult because of lack of giving. Now hear me. If you give, and I know who does and I know who doesn't, relax. This isn't about you. Amen. Help me, Jesus. I wish I was shopping with Penny right now. The fact of the matter is, in every church in America, there are many people who go into those churches, eat the fruit of the ministry, and never contribute to the needs of the ministry. You don't do it in Little League. You don't do it in any other facet of life, but we do it in the church. And somehow we feel justified. Statistics show it to be true. It's not just my opinion. Tithers make up only 10 to 25% of a normal congregation. And that's a high figure, Christianity today. Only 5% tithe. And 80% of Americans only give 2% of their income. 2%. Christians today are giving 2.5% of their income. During the Great Depression, it was give, the giving was 3.3%. Of income. In a more difficult era of time, Christians gave more than today. Many of you lived through that era. Families making 75,000 or more, their church tithing figure drops to 1%. Crazy, isn't it? The average giving by adults who attend United States Protestant churches is about $17 a week. So that means that if we're tithing 10%, we're, giving, we're making $170 that week. Many of us make more than that, right? 
Three, 37% of regular church attendees don't give money to church. You see, and this is not, now listen to me. These all sound very negative and they are very negative in a sense. But yet, I want you to see the positive. I want you to hear the possibility because the fact of the matter is, it's not, let's not, let's not hold a referendum here on the negativity of it, but rather let's see the potential of what could be if the church says, wait a minute, let's step it up a bit. Can you imagine what would happen if believers would just increase that by a few percentage points? Can you imagine the additional millions of dollars that would be into the church of America if every believer would just step it up a little bit? The potential is incredible. The, the ability is off the chart. So I don't want you to see the negative. I want you to see the possibility of what would happen. Look at, you know, when you look at the gap between what is and what isn't, and imagine with me for a moment of what could happen, okay? Let's look at what does happen and imagine what could happen. It would be incredible. I often say this. I've said this multiple times the last number of months. I said, you know, I'd just like to start one project, whether it's here at the church or in the city through Nehemiah. I said, I'd just like to start one project with all the money I need. Just one. Just one. Be like, that would be so cool. And I was thinking about that this morning, coming through the city again. And God kind of said, you did. It's in the pockets of people. Oh, it's out there. Amen. But sometimes it's just like, I just like to sometimes open the checkbook and say, it's all there. Let's get started. <laughs> oh, I'd like to do that just once. But I want to talk to you a little bit about first, Second Corinthians chapter 9. I'm going to tell you a little bit about what Paul was dealing with here. And he was receiving an offering. And he was, he was, he was first of all, coming to the Corinthians. And he was, first of all, talking to them about the Macedonians. All right. Now, let me tell you what Paul says, okay? Let me pull it up on this. I want to pull it up on a different version than the one I have in front of me. All right. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Let me give you a little homework while I'm looking this up. Go home today and look up the um, Google, look up what the word Yahweh means. But sometimes we sing a song. How many of we sang that song this morning? You know, it's a great song. He is Yahweh. How many know what Yahweh means? There you go. Go home and look it up. Write it down. The next time you sing that song, it'll, it'll blow your mind. And then it'll give context to what you're singing. I almost did it in the context of our song, but, but, I, but I didn't do it. So, um, but go home and look that up. Let me talk to you about this. So, so Paul says this. He said, for it is superfluous. Say superfluous. Isn't that a great word? That word means, okay, it means abundantly, or, okay? For me to write to you about this ministry to the saints. For I know your readiness of which I boast about you to the Macedonians. Now, let's stop there for a moment. Why did he say that? He's telling them that he boasts about them to the Macedonians because just prior to that, he's telling them about the Macedonians in chapter 8 and how about their giving. So back up with me for just a moment, all right, and go to chapter 8, verse 1, and then we'll get our way back into chapter 9. Verse 1 says, Now, brothers, we wish to make known to you the grace of God which has been given 
in the churches of Macedonia that in a great ordeal of affliction, their abundance of joy and their deep poverty overflowed in the wealth of their liberality. All right, so let me give you a couple points this morning. First of all, about the Macedonian giving. Number one is that their giving, their giving came from joy, not their resources. Giving doesn't come from your resources. It comes from your heart. Giving doesn't come from what you have, all right? He says to them, he said, they're going through great trial and they're going through great affliction and they're in deep poverty, yet they gave, all right? The poverty of the Macedonians is confirmed by secular history. The Romans took most of their wealth when they conquered that former homeland of Alexander the Great. So they were in great trial, affliction, poverty, they gave. Giving comes from joy, not your resources. Listen to me. I can tell you that I have met a lot of givers, and they are joyful people. And I have met a lot of stingy, cheap people, and they're not very joyful. I'm so bad. I'm so sad that some of them are pastors. All right? Giving comes from a full heart, not a full checkbook. Giving comes from a joyful heart that encounters the joy of giving. Giving comes, you're a, you're a, you give according to your ability, not someone else's ability. Look what Paul says. He says this to them. He said, for out of, having technical difficulties here. Troy, why don't you fix this for me? He says, for I testify that according to their ability and beyond their ability, they gave of their own accord. All right. Listen to me for a moment, church. You and I, just like the Macedonians, give according to our ability and at times beyond our ability. Your ability is not dictated by someone else's ability. It goes both ways. Some people wish they could give to the ability of others who are millionaires. How many of you ever just said, man, I wished I had more to give? Okay, the rest of you don't care. I love giving. I have a dream. I don't know if I'll ever pull it off. Okay? There's a dream. I'd like to own a beach house. Why would I like to own a beach house? Because I like the beach, baby. That's the first reason. But there's a better reason. I would love to own a beach house just to simply say this. Why don't you go use the beach house? Why don't you go? You need a, you need a week away. You need a weekend away. Why don't you go use the beach house? I would just love that ability. That would be so cool. Dave and Bobby have, have done that for me. They have a house in Ocean City. They have a, a townhouse in Ocean City. At times they said, go use the beach house. I would love to have that ability. So here's the deal. Who wants to use Dave and Bobby's beach house? <laughs> All right. I just, I, just, I just would love to have the joy of that. And I would do that. All right, that'd be so fun. All right, Some, so sometimes we catch ourselves saying, man, I wished that I had the ability to give more. And you compare yourself to others who are very wealthy. When the truth of the matter is, listen to this. When the truth of the matter is, there are wealthy people who give according to the ability of some in poverty. Oh, because just because you've got money don't mean you give money. I did a study the other day, I was reading up on the giving of billionaires, like I'm talking major, multi, multi, multi-billionaires. There was one guy that he has given away 0.1% of his wealth. And his wealth was in the hundreds of billions. He gave proportionately less than many of the people in this room. So it has nothing. So giving according to ability means if you have greater ability, you should give greater. 
If you have less ability, you're not, you're not held responsible to give to my ability or somebody else's ability. I've seen poor widows in this church give proportional, proportionately to income more than very wealthy people I know. I watched a man, and I'm not going to mention his name because that, I don't want to do that. But I know this man. He grew up in a state-run orphanage. Very simple man. Doesn't have a lot. I watched him walk into my office after the roof offering. And he gave me $69 in rolled coins and was so blessed to give that offering. And I was so blessed to receive that offering. And it was such cool because it was so heartfelt. It was so heart-giving. Give what you're able to give and don't measure yourself against what someone else with more can give. Give what you're able to give and not down to what others can give. It's not enough to say, well, I gave this and I know they only gave. No, no, you give what God tells you because God will help you give according to your ability and he may stretch you beyond your ability and you'll find out he's the difference maker between what you have and what you don't have. It's just what happens. He was bragging about the Macedonians and he says this, I love this verse. He says this, and no, my camping is not better than the beach. He just texted me that. (laughs) All right. This is what he says. For I testify that according to their ability and beyond their ability, they gave us their own accord. Watch this, verse (laughs) 4. Begging us with much urging for the favor of participation in the support of the saints. And this not as we had expected. All right. He says, oh, by the way, those Macedonians, they begged us to give. They begged us for the participation of giving. All right. You know, I've had lots of people come to the church over the years looking for help. Off the streets, variety of ways. Lots of people knocked on the door in hopes of getting money for a variety of things. Somebody's thermos went down on the floor. Cool. All right. How do I know that? We have two of those thermoses at home. They hit the floor often. We have a benevolence fund that we give money out of to people in need. I'd like to put a, I'd like to put a new line item on our profit and loss. I'd like to have it on the income side, and it says this. Beggars. Y'all look at me like, what a freak. Yeah, I wanted to say income. And the title of it's going to be beggars. And, if, and, and the elders are going to say, what's that line item? That's people who came begging to give. <laughs> yeah, some of you are just getting this. I'm not talking about giving to beggars. I'm talking about the people who gave because they were begging to give. I, pastor, I just have to give. And then I can look at them and say, I don't know. What am I supposed to tell you? They came. People just came and begged to give. I didn't have a choice. What was I supposed to do? I had to take it. My hands were tied. They held a gun to my head. I can't help it. They were begging to give. I've never had anybody come and beg to give. (laughs) Yo, I'm telling you. I didn't write this. Paul wrote this. This was written under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul. And he was saying those people were begging to give. We need to give a new definition to begging. Oh, this is really rough this morning. He says, but just as you abound in everything in faith and utterance and knowledge and all earnestness and in love, we inspired in you. See that you abound in this gracious work also. Listen to me. How many of you know we should be full of faith? We should be full of utterance and knowledge and earnestness. But Paul says, man, make sure you abound in this gift. You abound in the grace of giving. Because you know why? Listen to me. Because giving is a proof of something. Paul says it in verse 8. I'm not speaking this as a command, but as proving through the earnestness of others the sincerity of your love. 
The fact of the matter is, giving is proof of love. It's not the only one, but it's part of it. The fact is, some of balk at this. Some of you are balking at this right now, just saying, I don't like that. Talk to Paul about it. Some resent this statement. Some don't like it. It'll be all right. It's true in every facet of life. I give to my wife because I love her. I give to my kids because I love them. I give and give and give and give and give some more to grandkids because I love them. Liam was napping yesterday. It was football Saturday. Me and Carson went shopping so daddy could watch some football. We went shopping. She grabbed everything she could get her stinking hands on. I said, listen to me. Christmas is coming. You're not getting everything you want today. She got two things. And listen, it could have been 20. Right? Why? I love her. I love Liam. I'm going to give. You know, I even buy stuff for the stupid dogs. Whom Penny loves more than me. Oh, wait, 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 wait. No, wait, wait. Let me. Well, she might love them more than me. I meant that she loves them more than I love them. Not that she loves them more than she loves me. <laughs> Although that might not be true either. <laughs> you, know, I, 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 you know, I have seen the profile on Facebook, her profile picture often on Facebook, and it's usually with the dog and not me. Okay, I'm feeling loved all right. I give to this church because I love this church. I give to projects because I love our church. I give to this project coming up because I love your kids. It's, it's a fact. You know, you, 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 I, I'll say this to some people. You, you can question decisions I make. You can decisions I've, decisions I've made in the past and I've made mistakes. You can question that all I want. What you can't ever question, and I'll tell you point blank, you ain't questioning my motivation and you ain't questioning my love. That I love this church and I love your kids and I love your grandkids. And my motivations are pure. And, and, that's, and that's why I give. I give to the future because I love the future. So Paul now directs his, so he directs their attention back to the Macedonians. He comes back to chapter 9 and he's directing his attention now to the Corinthians. And he says this about them. For I know your readiness of which I boast about to you, to the Macedonians. So now Paul comes back and says, by the way, now I know about your readiness to give. Let me tell you something. People said, how's the offering going to go? I said, it's going to go great. You know why it's going to go great? Because i got a people ready to give. Yes. Yes. I, you know why I know that? I've already had people give. People who aren't going to be here, I'm going to give now. I talked to somebody yesterday that they're not going to be here. She, she, she told me, she says, I'm already making preparations to be able to give because I won't be there. We have a check in our office already from somebody who gave to the project already. We have another one because somebody already, there, there's a readiness, Okay. They were prepared to give where? In their hearts first. You'll never give here that's not prepared to give here. They were prepared to give in their minds. They're prepared to give out of their resources. All right? And, and so I'm telling you this morning that you and I need to prepare ourselves for moments of giving. And then Paul says, I love it. Paul says this. For I know your readiness of which I boast about. You ever hear, we had a, the founder of Destiny Image was with us a few weeks ago, and he sat in a staff meeting, and he just kind of talked to us, and he talked about how certain books written by authors are nothing but brag rags. They're brag rags. They want to tell you how great they are. I've heard sermons that are nothing but brag rags. 
that guys want to get up and tell you how great they are, okay? It's nothing but a bunch of bragging, okay? The fact of the matter is, Paul said, I'm boasting about you, Corinthians. I'm boasting about your readiness to give. I'm bragging about you. Let me tell you something. There's a healthy way to brag. How many of you ever brag about your kids? Yeah. How many about brag about your grandkids? Yeah. How many brag about your pastor? Never mind. Okay. Let me say this to you. Make no mistake about it. Listen to me. I brag about you. I boast about you. As God is my witness, I've never gone to one of those dumb pastor meetings where I hear pastors ripping their churches, talking about their churches, mocking their people. We don't do that stuff here. How about it, Troy? Amen. Give me a big shout. We don't. I'm just telling you. I boast about you. I rejoice over you with what the word means. I've told the stories of a people. Oh, yeah. I've told the story. I've told the $76,000 offering story over and over to your testimony. I have bragged about that roof offering. I have bragged to people about it. Not in an unhealthy way, in a healthy way. Let me tell you about a people. You want to see a people who love a city? You want to see a people who love a, a community? Let me show it to you in an offering. Let me show it to you in a $76,000 roof offering. Let me show it to you in a building. Let me show it to you next week when you come next week and you see an offering for a classroom. Because let me tell you something, it's not just your kids that come on Sundays are going to be in that building. There's a whole couple other hundred kids from out in that city going to be in that building too. And I make no mistake about it, I've told the story of a people who voted 100% to do a $1.3 million project that didn't have no money. Come on, I bragged about those people. I bragged about those people who labored and worked and poured their blood, sweat, and money into a dilapidated, condemned building to make a center of hope in a dilapidated neighborhood. I bragged about it, and I've told the story of a people who committed on a capital campaign to $527,000 over two years. I've bragged about a people who came back the following uh, year and upped that even more. I've bragged about people who gave a first fruits offering of $57,000. I've told the story of a people whose hearts were stirred to do a good work, and I'm not ashamed or embarrassed to brag about that. Because it's the work of God in your life. You know, because here's what Paul said. Paul went on and said, because, what he says, namely that Achaia has been prepared since last year. And your zeal has stirred up most of them. He says, Paul, Paul says, you're, you're, I've been telling them about your giving. I've been telling them about you and your readiness to give. And it has stirred them up. Listen to me. One of the things I can tell you about the past, in 2007, 8, 9, when we were doing that project, is it stirred up other people in this city. It just did. Giving is contagious. Stinginess is contagious. I mean, no complaining is contagious. Sit with a whiner and you'll start whining. Sit with complainers long enough and you'll be a complainer. Sit with a critic long enough and you'll become a critic. Sit in church and critique the whole service, and eventually you'll just be nothing but a critic. Sit with worshipers and you'll worship. Surround yourself with worshipers and you'll worship. Because the fact of the matter is what's on them will get on you. That's a fact. If you walk around complaining about money and giving, others around you are going to complain about giving. You know where I, where I learned, and, and I learned much of this from my mother and my father, and even Harry. You know? You know, sometimes she often tells me, she's told me a lot how proud she is of me. I'm proud of her. 
That's a fact. I'm proud of Harry. I'm proud of you. If you get excited about giving, you can make others excited about giving. I was loved what George shared last week. Because every time we touch it, sometimes there is a glossing over. We're not glossing over. We're going to celebrate and have fun giving. Why, okay, then Paul tells him why, why giving is hindered. Watch this. He says, so I thought it was necessary to urge the brothers that they would go on ahead of you to arrange beforehand your previously promised bountiful gift so that the same would be ready as a bountiful gift. Watch this. And not affected by covetousness. What is it that hinders giving? One word, greed. Now, before you go to the negative, just totally negative on that thinking about those greedy people. There's a, the, the word is a desire to have more, to be covetousness. So, I, so therefore, I won't give because I won't have more. If I give, I won't have more. If I give, I have less. If I give, I will have less to get more. If I give, I won't have what I need. So greed, the desire for more, will come from a number of things in our lives. Sometimes greed comes from, I just want bigger and better. Now, let me tell you something. I'm particularly not opposed to bigger and better. (laughs) I like bigger and better. But there's a pathway to bigger and better that doesn't involve greed. Huh? I'm just telling you, there is. There's a pathway to bigger and better. I mean, I really like bigger and better. That's why I've had to buy XL clothes, not L anymore. Right? Bigger and better is good, but it's not good when it comes in the form of greed. It's not good when it comes at the cost of those that you can bless or that which you can bless in the work of God because you won't give to the work of God because you want bigger and better. But it also comes from fear. Okay, I want more because I'm afraid I won't have. See, it's not just always a desire to, like greed's not always just that desire I want bigger and better. Sometimes it's fear motivated, but I I won't have enough to pay my bills. But I won't have enough for the future. Listen to me. Sometimes it is becoming that fear that'll give us the greater revelation as God as our supplier. The fear of not having, the fear of not being able to pay creates in me a selfishness that I, 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 I'm afraid. How I many know we don't have a spirit of fear? Hmm? Greed, greed will affect, Paul says it, that your gift that you've already prepared to give. How many have ever prepared to give something thinking that you wanted to give something and all of a sudden fear gripped you and caused you to give less? Nobody? It has me. I'll just talk to me. Okay? Where I have said, I want to give this, and then I let fear grip my heart and didn't do it. And there have been times where I wanted to give this, and I've allowed the desire for something bigger and better to impact my heart. I'll never forget the first, the first pledge we ever gave to Lemon Street. I didn't want to give it. I wanted to buy a car. <laughs> I had got those kids through school. Those kids were through school. They got those tuitions paid for. I had to pay for their uh, three things, teeth, trucks, one year, teeth, trucks, and 
tuition. When I was done with those three T's, daddy was buying a car. Nice car. Then we did a lemonstry. And I said, there goes the car. <sighs> okay? If I'd allowed bigger and better to interfere, I would have never given what I planned to give. Then Paul says, so Paul says, listen, he says, I'm telling you about these people. They're ready to give. All right? He boasted about the people who are ready and willing to give. Their desire to give will inspire others to give. Your giving is hindered because of greed. And then he wraps it up where he transitions. He says, now I say this. Watch this. So he's talking about them and he, and he reminds them. Now I say this. He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must do as he's purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able. How many know God is able? How many know God is able and willing? That's what I love. To make all grace abound to you so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. Listen to me. Do you think the God of heaven that prompts you to do good needs is not going to reward you to do more good deeds if you're obedient to do the good deeds he's already given you to do? Do you think he's going to bail on you if you operate in faith and obedience to what he tells you to do? Do you think he's going to bail on you? I promise you he is not going to bail on you. He says, listen to me. So, so Paul, Paul, under the unction and the influence of the Holy Spirit, pens these words to the Corinthians concerning the blessings associated with giving. Number one, you reap what you sow. That ain't my words. It's the Holy Spirit's words. They're not Paul's words. They're the Holy Spirit's words. And let me say this. I, I can, I'm, only, I'm just going to say it. Some don't reap because some don't sow. I, I'm sorry. And I've seen people reap who sow. Now, I got to tell you, I have to tell you, I have seen where I don't understand it, to be honest with you. Because I'll tell you, the man who has hundreds of billions of dollars that has given away 0.1%, that, that, that math doesn't equate in that one, does it? I wonder how many hundreds of millions of dollars more he'd have had had he been a giver. Just a thought. Just a thought. Because how many of you know, you have what you have in your natural, and then you have what comes through the supernatural when you're obedient to God. You reap what you sow. And Paul was not talking about anything else but money. We're not going to over-spiritualize this. Paul was talking about money. You reap what you sow. He says, that's a blessing. He says, what? God loves a cheerful giver. You know why God, <laughs> maybe this isn't why, but I'll give you my, sometimes I have my own opinion on some of this stuff. I think God loves cheerful givers because givers are usually cheerful. <laughs> I mean, I know it's easy to like nice people. There are some people, it's just not hard. They're cheerful. They're easy to like, right? There are some people that are a little bit harder to like. Come on, let's be honest. They're grouchy. They're always complaining. How you doing? Oh, thanks. Good to see you too. <laughs> Joy the Lord is your strength, huh? Yeah. 
How many of there's some people you avoid? Don't raise your hand. You just don't want to hear it, particularly if you're in a good mood. Like, oh, gosh. God loves a cheerful giver. root of that word is hilarious. He loves a hilarious giver. Here's the fact. God will bless you when you give. Paul wrote it. He will bless you when you give. God will make all grace abound to you so you will always have all sufficiency in everything. So you may have abundance for every good deed. The fact is when you give, God will bless you. You're not giving to get blessed. You're giving because you know you'll be blessed. That you don't worry about it. And here's, I love this part. This is my favorite part of this. It goes on down. And I won't get into a lot more of this. Verse 10. He said, now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in everything for all liberality, which through us is producing thanksgiving to God. Hmm. For the ministry of this service is not only fully supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing through many thanksgivings to God. Because of the proof given by this ministry of giving, they will glorify God for your obedience to your confession of the gospel of Christ. Do you understand that God will be glorified by your giving? That God is glorified? Listen to me. When we did 11th Street and I took people around that neighborhood and I walked those streets and I took unbelievers who wanted to invest in that project. Do you know there's a lot of money of unbelievers in that project? And I walk the streets and I tell them about a people, a people, and they look at me and this is what some of them said. Why doesn't every church do this? Why doesn't every church do this? And then I get to tell them about God's desire and God's blueprint for city. And it comes back and gives glory to God. That's what it's all about. It comes back. The people. You see, because we say we're the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God requires two things. A king and a people willing to be governed by a king. And we are a people that are saying we'll be governed by a king. My thoughts, my actions, my attitudes, my giving, my desires are governed by a king. And those actions point back to the king. But let me give you in closing, let me give you in closing the measure by which we give. If there's a measuring rod to our giving, if there's a standard how we give, Verse 15, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Kind of a weird sentence there, isn't it? When, when you read all this, some people think that he was talking about Jesus. And some people think he was talking about salvation. Either way, I don't care which way you go. Because there is no gift of salvation without the gift of Jesus. I mean, no, both were a gift. Hmm? Think about it. Come on, Troy. Think about this for a moment. Paul says, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. God's gift 
is the measure we measure ourselves with. God's gift is the measure by which we give. God gave a gift. Listen to me for a minute. God gave a gift that brought immeasurably more into your life. The possibility of immeasurably more was because the immeasurable one of heaven gave an immeasurable gift that brought you immeasurable more. The immeasurable one gave an immeasurable gift that has immeasurably impacted the world. His immeasurable gift is the measure by which we give. We who have already received the immeasurable gift of salvation, we give. We who have already received this immeasurable gift of Jesus, we give. We who have already received the immeasurable gift of salvation, we give. We who have already received the immeasurable gift of the Holy Spirit, we give. The fact is, the fact is, ladies and gentlemen, if you want a standard to give by, it's God. God is the one, the immeasurable one that I preached about a few weeks ago. The immeasurable one who gave immeasurably more. That you and I experience today immeasurably more than we can even think or imagine. Because how many know what we deserved was death? What we deserved was hell? What we deserved was a godless eternity? But God said, no, 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 no. I'm going to give a gift to the world. And the gift to the world I'm going to give is I'm going to give my son. And through him will come the gift of salvation. And now you and I give out of the gift that we've received. That's how we give. We give from the gift that we have received. Think about it. Think about it. This is more than just about an offering next week. Oh, make no mistakes about it. This is partly about that offering. But this is about our lives. This is about us as individuals. Temples of praise. Doing it with more than just words and doing it with more than just hands raised and doing it with more than just songs on a screen, but doing it with every facet of our life and doing it with our checkbook and our cash and our ATM card and every other thing we use today to give. Come on. Because it's flowing from a heart that has received the immeasurable gift of God called salvation. You know, I, I, even... even I'm not going there. Listen to me. This is to your benefit and my benefit that we talk about this. Why? It is to the benefit of a city that we talk about this. It is the benefit of the world that the church talks about this. Why? Because there's a constant barrage of the enemy of our souls to dry up the resources of God's people to get them to hoard, to get them to walk in fear, to get us to be stingy, to get us to be greedy, so that it will not point to the glory of God. He doesn't want glorified through the money. The church better start talking about money again because our giving brings glory to God. That's my deadline. I had myself on a timer today. just like it's just like the morning snooze okay 
Ten more minutes. Okay, all right. <laughs> I forgot to turn that part off. I am closing, but listen to me. Listen to me. Our offering next week, every week after that, into the future, always does two things. It shows the city how much we love it. And it brings glory to God. And it brings glory to God. I want my money sometimes. My money feeds me. Feeds my kids. Feeds my wife. Feeds the dogs. But I want it to also bring glory to God. Pan and I recently bought a building. I like to buy buildings. I never know what I'm going to do with them, but I like to buy them. And this building we receive rent from. And I was, the other day I sat down and I said, okay, I need to, and I'm going to do this. Uh, I, I want to set up an automatic draft tithe off the rent proceeds so that every month I want God's blessing on that building and I want the church to be blessed from the tithe. Come on. I want wealth created for the city or a church. So it's coming right off. It's coming an automatic draft. Because let me tell you something. If I don't automate it, it doesn't take priority in my life because I'm a scatterbrain. <laughs> Thank God for automation because I don't write checks well. Okay. Any bill I've never paid is not because I don't have the money. It's because I was too dumb to remember it. <laughs> so you automate the important, right, Peter? And so I'm just going to automate that sucker every month. My offering, my tithe every week here, it beats me to church. Praise God for automation. But I'm, I'm talking about the building, not for my glory. Because I want my money to bring glory to God. Father, we come this morning. And Lord, we just would say to you to prepare our hearts, not just for next week's offering. Next week's offering is a good project. And we. We need to respond as a people of this house for our kids and our grandkids and future generations. And so we ask you to prepare our hearts as you've been doing for that offering. But Father, more than that, I'm asking you to prepare our hearts for offerings beyond that out of our life that bring glory to you, bring honor to you. That we would not allow a spirit of covetousness, whether it's I want bigger and better, or whether it's a spirit of fear that I won't have enough, that we would throw off both of those things so that we could give, knowing that you are the one that blesses, knowing the one that you will provide, knowing that you're the one who gives seed to the sower, that you're the one that provides it, that even at times we want to experience you as the difference maker between what I give and what I don't have. So, Father, I pray that you would use this message to stir all of us in the area of giving. I give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen.